everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here for the Friday pop-up. I'm so excited to be here. I made it. You'll be surprised. You'll be proud of me, I hope. <laughs> I've had a hard time making it to these lately, but I was determined today. So, welcome. I hope you guys are all having a wonderful Friday. We are having a hell of a thunderstorm, so... We don't get them very often, but it seems like a couple of times lately when I was broadcasting, we had them. So if you hear a lot of, uh, I'll give you this. If you hear a lot of, uh, you know, booming, that's thunder. If you hear a lot of squealing, that's little pigs that want their dinner. So take your pick. It's chaos. <laughs> I want to share with you tonight a pretty uh, epic story, I think. So... First of all, I want to introduce you to this lovely lady right here. Her name is Noella Racundo. And then I would like you to meet, well, this guy. This is her husband. They've been married for about 10 years. And they had been happy, or so she thought. So let me tell you what happened. Once upon a time, they were happy. Well, everything started at this point with the death of Noella's stepmother. And with the death of her stepmother, they got on a plane and they flew to Burundi to go to the... Well, she flew to Burundi to go to the uh, funeral. It was a really sad and frustrating event. And she got home feeling really, really, ex or got back to the hotel feeling really exhausted and frustrated. Oh, his name is Belanga Kalala, by the way. So she got back, laid down, feeling pretty terrible, very despondent. And then her husband called. She, by the way, is from Melbourne, and that's where he was, was in Melbourne. He told her, even through her sadness, that what she really needed to do was to get outside, go take a walk, clear her head, get some fresh air. And being her husband, she believed him that that would be a good thing for her to do. So she leaves the safety of her hotel room, and she steps out of the hotel the minute she gets to the street, a man charges towards her with a gun. He tells her, don't scream. If you start screaming, I will shoot you. They'll catch me, but you, you will already be dead. So she's absolutely terrified. They usher her into a car. She's blindfolded. They drive her about 40 minutes away and wrestle her out of a car, tie her to a chair, and she can hear them talking around her. She can hear several men, a few men, and she's not really sure what's happening. And she's just absolutely scared to death. And finally, one of them says, you woman, what did you do for this man to pay us to kill you? And she's so confused. She thinks maybe they have the wrong person. Like, why in the world would they pick her up? You know, she's doesn't even live there. She's there for a funeral, you know, for heaven's sake. There's no reason for this. 
And so she says, I don't know what you're talking about. Why? What are you talking about? And they said, Belanga sent us to kill you. She was sure that that couldn't be true. She told them that they were lying, that they were making this up, that her husband loved her, that he would never do anything like this. And they laughed and they laughed and they laughed and they assured her that yes, he would. And yes, he did. They told her she was a fool, that she didn't know what she was talking about, that she was a stupid woman who had fallen for a bad man. And she still insisted, you're lying. There's no way he would never do something like this. So the next thing she hears is a dial tone. And she hears them say, we have her. And she hears her husband's voice say, good, now kill her. And she's completely shocked and terrified and she faints. She figures she's dead. When she comes to, she is still with these men. They didn't kill her. In fact, they weren't going to kill her. Turns out, while these might be hitmen, they are hitmen with consciences. And they tell her that they don't kill women and they don't kill children, but they think that men that try and have their wives killed are garbage. And so they're going to help her out. So they hold her for two days and they're not mean to her, but they're not great to her. I mean, it's a horrible experience no matter what, right? And they finally turn her loose with a few things, a cell phone, a bunch of recorded evidence uh, in conversations with him, telling them what to do, where to find her, how to set this up and receipts for the money that he sent over. He paid them. 7,000 Australian dollars. So they tell her, we want you to go back and tell other stupid women what happened to you and to stop trusting bad men. So they dropped her off on the side of the road and they drove away. Well, she was still scared to death, but she knew she needed help. So she went to the Kenyan embassy and the Belgium, Belgian embassy and she still needed help to get back to the country. And so she contacted her minister, her pastor. And so the pastor had an interesting role going on because he was also back in Australia helping her husband plan her funeral. But he also knew on the DL that she was alive and would have been a murder victim had there not been some hitmen that had a conscience. So between the help from the embassies and from him, she flies back to Melbourne. And she sits in a car in front of her home and watches her funeral play out. Watches all the mourners come. She's scared to death and doesn't know what to do and wants to confront him, wants to show up at her own funeral, but isn't quite sure how. And so she waits until mostly everyone is gone and she sees him walk out front. So... She steps out of the car and walks right up to him. And of course, you can imagine he puts on quite the show. I mean, I'm assuming it was true fear <laughs> that uh, gripped his heart, knowing that something had gone terribly wrong. But of course, he acted like this was some kind of a, 
a miracle or something. He even ran up and touched her to make sure that she wasn't a ghost. She said to him, surprise, I'm still alive. Well, she was more than just alive. She had talked to the police. And when the police came for him, of course, he denied the whole thing, as he would do, you can imagine, right? But the police were really smart, and they convinced Noella to call him and have a conversation with him and see if she could just get him to confess. They already had all of this other evidence. So they figured maybe, you know, maybe we can get him to confess if she talks to him. And he did. In a conversation on the phone, she got him pretty charged up and got him pissed off and got him talking. And in, you know, asking him, why would you do something like this to me? Why would you do something like this to me? He finally said, sometimes devil can come into someone to do something. But after they do it, they start thinking why I did that thing. Later, he said, as he begged her to forgive him. So with that evidence and all the other evidence uh, thrown in front of him, he finally did plead guilty and was sentenced to nine years in prison in Melbourne. So let me tell you a little bit more about them and a little bit more about her. So she had three children. She had five children, actually, when she met him. She had five children. And when she met him, she actually came to Australia from, from Burundi 11 years previously. And he was already in Australia, but he was a refugee from the Congo. And they both had the same social worker in the resettlement agency that was helping them get on their feet. And he spoke English. And so a lot of times they would ask him to come and help interpret and help somebody. Well, Noella spoke Swahili. And so he helped her to get the services she needed, helped her and her five children to get what they needed to get on their feet. And in the course of that, they fell in love. They moved to Melbourne. They had three children. So amongst the two of them, they had eight children that they were raising together. And there were some things she learned about him. She learned that he had fled from a rebel army. And the army he fled from had actually ransacked his village and murdered his wife and son. And she learned that he was violent and unpredictable. Though she never thought he would kill anybody. She didn't completely trust him, didn't trust his temper, but she thought they were as happy as they could be and never ever thought that something like this would happen. Well, apparently for some reason he got it in his head that she was cheating on him and that she was definitely going to leave him for another man. There's actually no evidence of her cheating on him. This seems like paranoia. There's no evidence of her cheating on him. She says that she flatly wasn't and wasn't planning on leaving him and thought that she was in a stable situation, you know. But that supposedly that was his motive, that it was uh, unfounded jealousy and an unfounded broken heart that he decided the thing to do would be to kill her. 
So from this situation, of course, she has risen from those ashes and rebuilt her life. This actually happened in 2015. And so he has, you know, he's been in prison for a few years now and she's been able to move on with her life. But can you imagine going through something like that? Yeah. Now you might wonder why they were having a funeral. They were having a funeral because he told everyone in Australia that she had been in a horrible accident. So her friends and family and church members, everyone around her thought that she'd been killed in a horrible accident in Africa and that she was never coming home. Can you imagine how they all felt when they discovered that not only was she home and alive, but that he tried to kill her and they held him in their arms while he grieved. They brought food. They mourned with him. They helped plan a funeral that they all attended and supported him while he lied to their faces about what was happening. Can you imagine how you would feel about that? So anyway, all because a few guys uh, realized what a dick move this was and knew they weren't going to kill a woman, particularly one with a husband like this, and saved her. As it turned out, one of the hitmen knew her brother. And because she was a woman and because he knew her brother, that was enough for them, that they weren't going to kill her. They were actually going to help her. So I guess if you're going to put a hit out on your spouse, maybe don't do what this guy did or you'll end up in prison. Now, he only got nine years, which, you know, I think in the U.S. could have been quite a lot more. And then again, who knows? I shouldn't speak too soon, right? But <laughs> that's how it happened. Yep. Yeah. Hi, Stephanie and Kat and Paula and Cooper. Paula said, so easy to say, God, the devil made me do it, right? We've heard that a few too many times as of late. Mm-hmm. Turns out, uh, isn't it funny how people say that, but they also believe in the same religions that teach that you have agency? Yeah. Funny how uh, those two things don't really go hand in hand. But <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I think that story is pretty insane. I think it's amazing. She would have had eight motherless children. And they would have been being raised by the man who had their mother killed. Like, it's also chilling to think about had this actually happened to her. And it seemed like the thought of her being in some kind of a, an accident on a faraway continent didn't really phase anybody or make them ask any questions. They just believed it and moved forward. I guess, why wouldn't they? But anyhow, that is it. That's the story. So, <laughs> So good and good for Noella, good for her kids that they still have their mom and good for her idiot husband, or I'm sure ex-husband now, that he's in prison where he belongs. Well, that's it for my pop-up. You guys, thanks so much for being here. Watch for another pop-up tomorrow with Christy. This is just Friday, so she'll be back on Saturday and all our good stuff coming up next week. This has been another production of True Crime Paranormal with this psychic sister. Take care.